0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Fair Data Podcast, where we discuss all things fair, making data findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. I'm Rory McNeil, host of the Fair Data Podcast, and my guest today is Maria Pretzales, who manages the DMP tool and other projects for the California Digital Library. Maria, welcome. It's great to have you on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks, Rory. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Great. So your colleague John Chodacki was actually one of the first guests on the podcast, but that was a while ago. So for those who don't know, um, it'd be great if you could set the scene by telling us a bit about the California Digital Library. It's a really interesting organization that plays a quite a unique role.
1: Sure, yeah. So um, CDL, or the California Digital Library where I work, um, we sit under the uh, University of California Office of the President. Um, So we work system-wide with all of the different um, UC campuses and research facilities. Um, So that puts us in a really kind of interesting place when it comes to research data, um, specifically because the University of California is the world's largest um, academic research system. Um, We consistently Um, produce around 10% of academic research and development activity in the U.S., so there's a lot of work going on, a lot of research, a lot of research outputs. Um, We have hundreds of research labs and natural reserves and field stations, so there's a lot of work going on really in the campuses, but then also some of the institutes and centers and labs and stations that are affiliated with UC. Um, So CDL works um, in the digital library space supporting campuses and other centers that are in the UC system. Um, Because UC is so big, and the research encompasses really international collaborations, we work at an international scale. Um, at CDL. So it's it's focused on UC research, but with the understanding that in order to really support UC researchers, we have to work at a, a large scale um, so that we're addressing the policies and the technical infrastructure necessary to really support and promote uh, UC research so within cdl i work for the uc3 department uh, where we're really looking at um, long-term viability and usability of digital content so that means for me that means research data management so kind of that beginning of that life cycle looking at data management planning Um, other folks on my team work in data publishing persistent identifiers with roar um and we also work with digital preservation with the merit um uh digital uh preservation service so lots of work going on in in that sort of research data space um on my team
0: yeah that's so that's really interesting i think the um at least in my experience the the kind of uh uh the the the, 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 the putting together that variety of of activities uh is actually quite Quite unusual, so I'm sure that maybe we can talk about that in a bit. You know that 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 will show you kind of connections and, and give you insights into various aspects of research data management and digital preservation that might not be uh, so obvious if if you if if you if an, if an organization was just working on on one of those strands. But yeah, and and I know that you manage among other things um, one of your primary focuses is managing the dmp tool and of course with the advent of the new nih data sharing policy dmp's and and dmp tool in particular have moved to the front and center of of research data management and discussion about um about these kind of issues um so i'm really keen to, to hear more about that but but just as background uh before we get into what's happening now Could you tell us a bit about the history of DMP Tool and also CDL's role in in its early development?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um, we recently had a birthday at the DMP Tool. Um, It was kind of initiated as a really a grassroots effort um, in the beginning of 2011, um, and that it was really formed kind of in direct response to increasing mandates from funding agencies, specifically um, NSF, which was requiring researchers to create data management plans. So the community came together and thought about how how are we going to support researchers in um, addressing these new requirements for DMPs? Um, So it was actually a collective kind of work to put together the original dmp tool, so it was it was eight um institutions that came together so it was cdl we also worked with data one Uh, we worked closely with the digital curation center in the uk they continue to be fundamental partners for us Uh, smithsonian was also very involved Uh, ucla uc san diego uh, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and University of Virginia Library. So they all came together and created this new platform for the creation of data management plans, um, including um, adding tools so that librarians could add guidance and kind of augment DMPs with additional information to help guide researchers. And how do I put together a DMP? This was all new in 2011, so that's why they kind of came together. Uh, but it was open source and community supported from the beginning, which is, I think, a key part of the story. And one of the most compelling pieces for me um, when I first started working on it was the fact that it was so loved by the community and that it was developed open source Um, an open source code base from the beginning um, in a really fundamental way because now we work on a much larger scale with the DMP roadmap code base, which is actually used by many different um, instances. So we have kind of sister relationships with DMP Assistant in Canada. We have DMP Online in the UK. We have DMP Opidor in France. There's many others. So we all work together on joint... um, uh, feature development we all work from the same code base so it's 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 gotten much bigger from its beginnings in 2011, but the community community side of it the joint um, open source nature um, is pretty remarkable um i think for a project like that to last so long um, and having that collective development
0: yeah no indeed it's it's really interesting and and uh, as you say quite uh, you know it's quite quite unique if you if you compare that with the way that Say data repositories have over a s- roughly similar time period. Maybe they've been around a little bit longer, but also the different general data repositories have developed. It's been, it hasn't been, it hasn't been so common. It's been more, you know, what each did their own thing and then maybe converging a bit. But uh, yeah, that's really interesting. So that's the history. Jumping ahead to 2022, how has the, the 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 announcement of the NIH data sharing policy impacted your your plans for developing DMP tool? And what kinds of things are you currently doing to prepare for next January when the policy comes into effect?
1: Yeah, so um, that new NIH policy, which basically um, mandates the the maximum sharing of appropriate data and the creation of data management plans, so um, that is a a new policy for NIH. It's dev- it's really generated a lot of attention among data librarians, but also. Grant offices, uh, research integrity officers, everybody kind of involved in um, in research data um, or research grants. Um, is talking about this. So it's generated a lot of interest uh, for us. I've got a lot of new institutions signing up for the DMP tool every week. (laughs) It's been a very busy time. So to support that, again, going back to the idea of collaboration and community, um, we started a working group. We have, I think it's about 15 data librarians. Uh, And what we're doing is we're creating custom templates in the DMP tool for specific institutes and centers. Um, So while there's an overarching NIH policy around data sharing, specific centers and institutes are also sending in their own guidance, their own rules. sort of in addition to the overarching policy. So we're creating templates to help guide researchers in um, fulfilling those requirements and crafting their data management plans. So these data librarians are getting together and writing guidance um, together. We're also developing um, some sample language so that researchers could get some ideas about how to answer a question, what, what kind of information NIH is looking for. So again, the, the key to that is that we're doing it as a community. Um, they, these data librarians are the ones who work the closest with researchers um, and are thinking about the types of questions that they're already getting asked, and then putting that information into templates so that we can kind of share it um, as a community uh, collectively. So that's been um, kind of a, lot of a lot of work getting ready for, for these new requirements. Uh, which are coming up on us they're actually uh january of next year um so that will come before we know it um the other thing we're doing and i don't know we can talk about this later but is really around structuring data management plans making them uh shareable between systems, giving identifiers uh, wherever possible within the plan. So that all supports kind of the larger issue around what do we do as an institution uh, when we now have said we're going to be, we're required to share these um, research outputs. So using the data management plan as a way to know what your, um, you know, what your obligations are for sharing. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, interesting. Yeah, let's definitely pick that up later. That's um that's really interesting. But kind of I suppose on a on a related point in a way, um, I, I understand you've recently taken on on a temporary basis uh an additional responsibility, which is managing the, the dryad repository, which is also developed and maintained by the CDL. So I'm curious, uh, you know, coming back to our discussion about kind of CDL's role and vision. How did DMP tool and dryad fit into the, the CDL's vision for research data services at the University of California system? Do you see them uh, as as kind of useful but separate tools or as or as part of a broader set of complementary services? Or what, what's the thinking on that?
1: Yeah. So I am the interim product manager for Dryad right now, um, just as that position is filled. Um, so there are definitely lots of intersections and overlaps between the two services. It's been really interesting um, getting to know the system on a deeper level, getting to know the players. Um, I think it supports our overarching goal at UC3 and CDL, supporting uh, reproducibility and reusability, um, You know, working with a DMP tool on the planning phase and then getting into data publishing. Our end goal is the same, right? Good data stewardship, so that we can facilitate and support reproducibility and reuse to accelerate, you know, the scientific process. Um, that is our big, big picture goal, and both services uh, work to achieve that. Um, I think, you know, there's also, as I've been learning Dryad, um, a lot of the partners, including RSpace are ones that I worked with in the DMP tool. So we're kind of the same sort of integrating with other services that we did with DMP tool, where we were integrating the data management plan with the electronic lab notebook. Um, that same kind of integration workflow Dryad is doing now um, with data publishing in RSpace. space. So I think the common theme of trying to come up with good workflows that are automated and easy for the researcher is common between the early phase DMPs and data publishing. So that's been uh, it's been fun to see the same integration at a later point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so let's pick up on that point and also a point that uh, that you made earlier. I know I know that data and, and fair data are, are of central interest to you as you develop DMP tool and and Dryad. Um. And and on the, picking up on on the, the integration point, but also the earlier point about, um, for example, you alluded to the use of, of ROARS and making data discoverable uh, more broadly, uh, not just in a tool. Um, could you talk a bit about the work that you've been doing to make data in DMP tool machine actionable, which I think is relevant to these points?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so, I guess starting with our a recent um, eager grant, NSF has um, been supportive of this work of ours from the beginning. Um, in 2018, they gave us an eager grant to really look specifically at um, mapping research project outputs that were defined in a DMP to the broader ecosystem. So that translates to basically structuring the DMP. And adding identifiers to the DMP is kind of what that what that work means. Um, so we worked on that Eager grant for a number of years. Um, through that grant, uh, we collaborated really deeply with um, the RDA groups, um, so the RDA interest group for machine actionable DMPs, and then another working group for developing a common standard for. Um, expressing information within a data management plan so that resulted in a new json format for dmps which was really fundamental in all of our work and going back to the idea of community and collaboration that really came about not from cdl specifically but from the larger community coming together and figuring out how do we transform this <clears throat> pdf document into a structured file that we can then share between systems so that was a community developed um standard it's been super successful lots of tools including dmp tool have adopted it Um, so i'm really proud of that work i was actually not part of the team at that point so i can't take any credit Um, but so after that was kind of after we had a standard for formatting data management plans our next step in that Kind of in this fork was to create an identifier specifically for DMPs. So we partnered with Datacite um, to develop a unique identifier specifically for data management plans, and that's called the DMP ID. And that was launched in April of last year. Um, so that was another kind of milestone step towards machine actionable DMPs. So now what we're doing is we have two um, also uh, grant funded projects. Um, really looking at how we can expand on this, how we can um, implement DMPs and machine actionable DMPs in workflows, specifically looking at field stations um, through our Fair Island project. And we also have one that's looking at one research project specifically and just looking at fair data workflows throughout the lifecycle, and that's called the Fair Workflows Project um, with um, DataCite. So I could. There's lots more to it, but I don't want to overlook. Yeah, yeah.
0: Books. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Um. So actually, uh, some late breaking news. I think it was announced last week. Or I think it was in last week that I I, I I'm going to get this wrong, but because I get a little bit confused because I know there's a number of different RDA groups relating mm-hmm. to DMPs. But um, I'm I'm curious about you've talked about the community and machine actionability. Going on and, and you've also talked a little bit about the diversity of, of DMPs uh, and it, I think it can be kind of confusing for people like me who are interested but not directly involved and uh, and anyway but my point is on the congratulations because I think you've just been appointed as as co-chair of, of of one of the most important uh, RDA DMP working groups. so could you tell us a little bit about that working group and and what your what your plans or at least your thoughts are? For taking that forward,
1: yeah. So it's the RDA. Uh, I think it's called Machine Actionable Interest Group, Machine Actionable DMP Interest Group. Um. So we haven't met. So I I feel like I'm speaking a bit out of turn. But my personal goals of that are to really use it as a forum to talk about how different institutions, how different platforms are using machine actionable DMPs. So I think that RDA's what I've enjoyed the most about RDA is learning about what other institutions are doing in a really deep, kind of practical, hands-on way. Um, so I think it's it's really a forum for sharing initiatives, getting more information, and kind of bouncing ideas off folks. I love the collaborative nature of RDA, specifically in sort of the DMP space. They've actually done they've produced outputs that are being used and are really fundamental to our work. So I think it's there's a lot of power in in coming together um around this topic and learning from each other.
0: Great. Thank you. Yeah, well definitely watch that uh watch that space and attend the uh attend the meetings. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I agree. I um I find RDA it's it's astonishing all the uh the outputs is and also just the conversations and the and the events—they're they're all incredibly informative and uh, and informing of, of developments going on. So it's it's great. Yep. Um,
1: I really hope to go to the next one in person. That is my...
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so it's interesting. Another trend we have—we kind of touched on a little bit. So there, there seems to be, to me anyway, to be a, a growing convergence of different communities focused on on research data management. Uh, so we talked a bit about in the case of CDL about DMPs and and repositories, that that's a good example of that. Um, And you've mentioned, or I think you actually mentioned in this conversation, I know we've talked about it as well. uh, Another group that you've been engaging with more, I guess, in particular, as a result of the new um, NIH policy is research integrity officers. So what, what, as far as you can tell, what, what, what's the interest of that group in, in DMPs? Uh, Presumably, in addition to their to, they must have some general interest in data management, but they must have particular concerns and interests relating to the DMPs. Is is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's Rios. It's also research offices. Um, you know, vice chancellors for research. Um, definitely, we're 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 used to working with data librarians and data librarians trying to. You know, evangelize the benefits of data sharing and good data management. And it's, it's a important, you know, advocacy work, but it's hard. And now we've got these new mandates from NIH. We've got, um, you know, important statements from NSF, um, and hints of upcoming mandates. So the time is right. And now these groups that, you know, have, are kind of being forced to to acknowledge that now we have new upcoming requirements that we need to be making sure that our data is being shared right because NIH has said that researchers need to maximize the appropriate sharing of scientific data and that is actually written into the terms and condition of a grant Um, so that is, that catches the attention of folks in the research office as they're making sure that their institution is in compliance, um, with the terms of a grant. Um, so I think, you know, the, the RIOs that I have spoken with, some of them are, you know, big supporters of, you know, open data and supporting reproducibility, obviously. Um, so I think that now is the time when they can have that institutional support, to really pay attention to this space, to start collecting DMPs and start looking at them, and and it's not just this document that you submit with your grant application and never gets, you know, looked at again. It is becoming a fundamental piece of the research process and the research eventual product and the attentions paid to research outputs, um, you know, is really gaining significance at this point. It's not just about public, you know, manuscript publications. Now data is getting its, you know, rightful place as, you know, an important piece of that. So I think it's really these increasing mandates and attention being paid by funders, which is, you know, in my mind, the reality, right. That is what is moving the dial, um.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. So this has all been great. Let, let's end with, uh, we've kind of been, we've been getting down into the trenches, I think, in a really productive way, uh, but let's end with a big picture question. you um, looking out two to three years. What, what developments do you see happening with DMPs in terms of both the DMPs' capabilities, but also the role that they play in the broader and, and fast developing research data management tool landscape?
1: yeah so I am just to preface this I am an eternal optimist <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I see this as a really exciting time. I think that the rise of these new requirements by funders um, is really going to transform how DMPs are treated um, and how research data is valued at the end of a project um, so you know some things that I've seen that that make me, you know, feel this way, specifically the, the new Chips, Chips for America Act, um, which was just um, just went through, it was about two weeks ago. Um, it's, it's like over a thousand pages, and it's just a four sentences um, in that um, that's all about research, reproducibility, and replicability, and one line in that says that um, NSF um, is now requiring the inclusion of machine-readable data management plans. So there's no definition of how they're going to do that. If there's any money to do that, I don't know. Um, but it is written as a requirement. So I think it's really up to the community now to help um, shape the implementation of these new requirements um, to make sure that they are that they continue to be community supported um, and open. Right. We want open infrastructure that's supported by the community. Um, so I think now is the time to really um, build on kind of the basis that we already have with machine action DMPs so that we can create a system that, you know, fulfills these new mandates and is open um, and relies on community support, you know, community driven uh, use cases. So I have a lot of hope for it um, really, um, evolving into something useful, um, that can, you know, accelerate research and, um, really facilitate transparency in the process.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm an optimist too. Uh, so that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's why we get
1: along. <laughs> that's right.
0: Absolutely. So anyway, Maria, thank you so much for that, uh, for that inspiring conversation. Yay. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. The Fair Data Podcast is provided by fairdatapodcast.org and produced by Meroz Ahmed. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Fair Data Podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Central European Time, and late in Asia Pacific and elsewhere. See you then.